When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Sweet of Striper. And I want to tell you one thing. Rock is not dead. It's hiding. And you found it. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network, with special guest, Michael Sweet of Striper. That's right, we got him. I'd like to welcome Michael Sweet to the program of Striper. Michael, uh, well, you just told me you're doing well today, right? I'm doing well, man. I, I uh, just went out and checked the house out. We got a <laughs> storm coming, and uh, I'm going to go down and rehearse. I got some solo shows, acoustic shows coming up this weekend, and mm-hmm. then it's time to start diving into the uh, the Striper song, start learning stuff. Well, you know, I was going to open with that, that you have quite a bit going on right now. I'll go back to October when the Unified, the second uh, album by Sweet and Lynch, dropped. You have Striper has a new record coming out uh, April 20th, Goddamn Evil. I, I, I like the name. Uh, <laughs> you got a tour starting shortly after that. And if I got it right, you have a book and a solo album coming out at the beginning of May. You just got back from the Monsters of Rock cruise, and of course, you just as you just mentioned, you, you stay pretty busy doing solo shows. So I guess my first question is, what do you do with your free time? <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, I do have a little free time in okay. there. Um, you know, for example, I just did Monsters of Rock cruise. I came home, so I've been home for a week, week and a half, uh, just kind of chilling here at the house, learning songs and, and practicing and whatnot. So I do have some free time here and there, but uh, it has been a blur. I've been very busy over the past 10 years, and I have no complaints about that at all. I'm very blessed uh, to be able to work 
on albums and work with other artists and tour and you know it it really is a blessing uh so that being said i plan to continue to be busy and just do whatever i can do and as much of it over the next 10 years uh until it gets to a point where i can't do it anymore because that day's going to come you know sure so here i am right on um I like to is it, I like to ask you a couple of Sweet and Lynch questions. Uh, sure. Because that first record kind of brought me back into like caught me up with you know your world from like basically against the law. My personal taste kind of changed with that whole you know I, I kind of had forgotten about a lot of the bands and when I heard that record, I mean I, it was amazing. It's such a fluid, it's such a smooth listen, Michael. But it. What I liked about it was that it sounded like you, you know, 20 years from 1990 or whatever. You know what I mean? You weren't trying to recreate something. It was actually something new. Uh, but then you you follow that up with the Unified record, which is, I don't know, I think it's a much heavier sounding album. Was that the, the intent when you went in to start recording it? Not really. I mean, with Unified, we just kind of did what we do, you know, and George started sending me songs, and I'm like, yeah, this is great, this is great, this was ah, you know, send me another one, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't really sit down and have a planned direction and say, okay, let's do this or let's not do that. We just did it. Uh, same uh, lineup, Brian Tishy, James Lomenzo, George Lynch, and myself. That was very important to me as the producer. Um uh, and, you know, it, it turned out as it turned out. I mean, some people like the first album better, some people like Unified better. Uh, or some people like them both about the same. I mean, we didn't necessarily say, hey, let's really bury the first one and make this one extra special. We just, we tried to stretch out a little bit and experiment. That's why you have a song like Walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely Not what box. anyone really, ex yeah, and no one really expected it. It's a love-hate thing with that song. People either loved it or they hated it. It's very similar to Take It to the Cross by Striper. <laughs> I'll get um, into that. but uh... Yeah. But you know what? George and I, how can I say this humbly? I mean, <laughs> oh, gosh, how can we mess it. it up? Yeah, okay, fair enough. Say I guess it, is what I'm it. saying. Don't, you got you don't George, have to be you... humble. <laughs> well, you got George Lynch, one of, one of the most gifted guitar players of all time. Uh, you've got James Lomenzo phenomenal player you got brian tishy one of the best out there period uh and then you throw you throw michael sweet in there whoever he is whatever he's done <laughs> and then you know how can we mess it up it's such a good lineup and we've all kind of proven ourselves as writers certainly george and i have and mm -hmm. um you know we just go and we do it and have fun doing it and, and pray for the rest and the best and man, thank God those albums were well received and accepted. People dug them, and we're going to do more. We plan on doing more together. Cool. Uh, I I know you get asked this a lot. What's the latest on a, a Sweet and Lynch tour? Is it going to happen? You know what, brother? It, it, the tough part about that is uh, I'm so busy, and George is is so busy. Yeah, he's got more side projects than you. <laughs> And and so do the other guys. James yeah. plays with John Fogarty. Oh, really? Okay. He's out with Fogarty and, and does that. And then Brian was in Whitesnake and was in Foreigner and played for Jeff Tate and has all these things going on. Randy Rhodes remembered and Moby Dix. And, you know, he's a busy guy, too. So it's very difficult to, to bring us all together to align the planets to make a tour happen. But, you know, I hope someday we can do it, man, because I think if we do and when we do, it's going to be extra special. 
I'll even take a DVD at this point if you guys can knock off a one-off show. I think it would be amazing. That would be phenomenal. Are you kidding me? And uh, maybe we could do that. Maybe we could rehearse for a week and go do a, a, a one-off show at a really cool venue and shoot a DVD. And, God, that would, that would be outstanding. Right on. Uh, well, let me know if you get that going because I'm going to uh, pre-order as soon as I can. Uh, Absolutely, man. <laughs> and we'll, we'll work on that. I'll bring that up to, to some higher-ups and see if we can make something like that happen. All right. Uh, you know, I, technology has made collaboration quite a bit easier. And I asked this kind of half-joking, but actually kind of serious. How much time did you and George actually spend in a recording studio together? <laughs> None. <laughs> it's a, uh, I spent... I spent all the time with Brian and James. They were out here at the studio I track at, uh, and we were together throughout the whole process. Uh, but George did all his tracks out in L.A. Uh, hopefully, we were, we almost got him out here <laughs> to do some stuff, almost, this last time around, and hopefully next time we'll be able to do that. Um, you know, as a producer, when I'm producing an album, I like to do it at... Uh, with my engineer at the studio that I'm comfortable working in. Okay. So I, I start getting a little um, uneasy when I got to go somewhere else that I'm not familiar with, with a different engineer, because I know what to expect with Danny Bernini and Spirit House Studios in Northampton, Mass. And that's, we've got a certain formula and it's really working now. You, you recorded know? there quite a bit, yes? Oh yeah, they've done like ten albums there. Now, is that from the the pictures and videos you've you've been kind enough to share through social media? Uh, it seems like a place that you almost live at while you record. Is that accurate? It is accurate. It's a, a multi million dollar home on like I think fourteen acres oh. uh, at the end of a cul de sac, so it's totally private and secluded. And you live there, you sleep there, and you eat there. They make you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Wow. And you re- and you record there, and you take a hot tub when you're all done, right? And and you can take a hot tub anytime <laughs> you want, man. Even while you're while you're tracking, we could probably set a mic up in the hot tub, and I could sing while I'm in the hot tub. Oh man, that that's you got to give that a shot. <laughs> well, w- with George not being there, was it difficult making the the record sound as cohesive as it does? You know what I mean. A lot of times, different studios will give you a different sound. Not really, because George sent us keeper tracks for rhythms and then anything that we didn't have, like if there was a bridge we didn't have or a a section, a turnaround section we didn't have or what have you, I would uh, basically uh, dial up a tone that was identical to George's. Oh, okay. And then add that part and track those guitars for that section. Cool. Um... And, And it worked out. And we were able to cut and paste all of George's stuff. You know, if we needed to extend the chorus he did, we just cut and paste in Pro Tools and extended the chorus and we were able to piece together all the songs and map it out and make it work. Both records sound amazing. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm really glad that, that you like it. I think if those albums, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I know if those albums came out in the 80s, mm-hmm. I think they, they would have killed it. I, I agree. Uh, it, uh, you know, let me ask you, you just thought it may, reminded me of something. You know, with record sales kind of being what they are nowadays, you don't really, you seem to be a guy who just keeps forging ahead with new material. Is it tough to to justify the, the time and, and effort to do that? You know, knowing that the, there's not going to be quite that big boom at the end there? 
Not for me, because uh, I'm passionate about what I do, and I love creating music every bit as much as I like performing it. Uh, that's never going to go away. I'll actually pay to play. I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, in other words, what I mean by that is I'll, if it ever gets to a point where I can't get a record deal or there's no money from a label, I'm going to pay to go record my own album. Okay. Because that's how much it means to me. When I hear bands, big bands, mind you, that talk about how it's not worth it anymore making albums and, you know, we don't make any money. And I, I just kind of <laughs> laugh and I think, well, why don't you just sell your gear and get out? Yeah. Why, why are you still doing it? Because you got in this for the love of it and now you're just in it for the money or just because, you know, you want to benefit from, you know, your art. You, you, you perform and you re create music because you, you're passionate about it. You're expressing yourself. You love that, and you want to share that with other people. It should have nothing to do with, uh, you know, if you record an album and you only sell 10,000 copies versus, in the old days, 2 million copies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I, that's my opinion. I happen to um, agree. The best music comes from people that are driven, you know. It's my opinion. I mean, people would disagree with me and get up in arms and say, oh, what a jerk, or whatever, and that's fine. But... It doesn't change my views. It, it, you know, I do this because I love to do it, and I'm going to love to do it until I die. Well, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just going to keep doing. That's why. Uh, that's why there's been such a surge of Michael Sweet albums because I'm going to keep doing it because I love it. You know, I hope to before I can't record any longer. I hope to do another twenty albums. <laughs> that's ambitious, but uh, why not? Well. <laughs> Yeah, at this rate, I'm doing one a year, so that's another 20 years. So, um, Step it up. Two Let's a get year. two out, it, yeah. It's doable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could. <laughs> uh, just a question about your book. I'm just trusting my handwritten note here. It's titled Honestly, right? The book Honestly, My Life in Striper Revealed or something like that. I forget the complete title of it. Uh, it came out a few years ago. And hard copy, and then now it's available for download. It did really well. Uh, people really, really dug it. And I was just—it was me just being honest and just saying, "Okay, here's the deal. Here's what I've, I've experienced. Here's the mistakes I've made." And people really seem to appreciate that. I can't believe I missed that because I, I read so many rock bios. So I'm going to track that well, down. Dude, you try to track it down. You might be able to find it on eBay. It, there hasn't been a reprint. Uh, in a little while, and they, it sold out and did very well. But it is available for download. At, oh yeah, at I got a new, I got a Kindle, so yeah, yeah, Amazon and i and iBooks. Yeah, I'll get it that way, um, and then yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> cool, cool, man. Uh, so the the solo album that came out with it that was so this was like a year ago. Then that uh, you had like a, a solo album that kind of was the soundtrack to the book. If I read the the bio line right. Well, that was a, so that was an album called uh, "I'm Not Your Suicide." Oh, okay. That came out at the same time of the book, and then since then, I've released another solo album that, that was, was one last year. Or yeah, that was last year, and that was called "One Sided War." Okay. No, I remember when uh, uh, "Not Your Suicide" came out. I oh, dude, no, I get it. I understand. Life is crazy, and we get busy, and it's all good. But and then you got to understand. You know, I'm releasing stuff left and right, so it's hard to keep <laughs> up with me. You know, <laughs> it's hard to keep up with it all. 
Yeah, well, my co-host and I very much enjoy your Instagram videos, uh, especially the ones you were doing <laughs> trying to promote the Sweet and Lynch uh, uh, Unified there last fall. Uh, please tell me you got a few of them coming up for the Striper release here. You know what, brother? Here's the thing. I, I always try to be a man that follows his own heart, and I, I find online the best thing I can do is make people laugh. <laughs> but I also find that even when you do that, you offend people. Well, of course, it's the internet. And people people get upset and they comment and say, "This is stupid. Please stop doing this." And I'm just like, "Well, you know, I I do it just because I want to make people laugh, and I seem to make a lot of people laugh. And uh, you know, I'm a class clown. I've always been that. Uh, when I was in school, I used to goof around a lot, and I like pe- making people laugh. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're you're very engaging with your fans on social media that not too many people can match, you know, at least at your level. Uh, there was one recent one that you commented on about you're, you basically ranked the Striper records, and apparently that rankled a couple people that you ended up putting against the law at the bottom. I, I read your explanation, and, and I, I thought it was well done, but do you ever, I guess, you know, first on that, my, my question would be, I, I was surprised Yellow and Black Attack was as low as it was. Was there a reason for that? Well, I did an interview with Mitch LaFon, and I break it down. And I'll, I'll do a quick uh, explanation for okay. you. I, I put Against the Law at the bottom of the list because I felt like we changed everything. Everything that we were. Uh, the colors, the sound, the message, the attitude, you name it. So really... That'd probably be at the top of my list if we had given ourselves a different band name. Okay. Because we weren't the same band. I, I agree with and, that. I, I think Sweet and Lynch kind of uh, offers you that, that avenue to, to go the direction kind of like you did with Against the Law. Right. And, and I felt like we had achieved this incredible level of success with To Hell with the Devil, and then we threw it all away. Hmm. Good or bad, we threw it all away. And to me, that was stupid. Uh, it was a time we went through. We lived and learned through it, but that's why I put it at the bottom of the list. It's it, and it's not just Michael Sweet that thinks that. You can't lie. People always say, "Yeah, you can't go by the numbers." <laughs> well, you kind of have to go by the numbers because it was our it was our least selling album of yeah. all time. How can you not go by the numbers? I thought your explanation was solid. Uh, people are going to—I think that's an example of people just kind of taking things a little too hard. It, it, but anytime you make a list of ranking, someone's going to be upset with it. And of course, of course. And and Yellow and Black Attack, really quick on that was—I yeah. felt like that was our first album. We were still immature musically. We weren't—we hadn't come into our own quite yet. Okay. And for those reasons, I felt like eh, you know it's not my favorite Striper album. Yeah, it made noise. Yeah, it was our first, but. When you compare it to the other cat, rest of the catalog, it does it fails by comparison, in my opinion. Fair enough. Um, let's get into Goddamn Evil, the new Striper record coming out on April twentieth. Uh, was this recorded at Spirit House? I assume it was. Uh, all right. And you, uh, did you I, produce? I produced it. Okay. I did. I produced it. It was recorded, and you know, I'm uh, I'm trying to uh, find my place as a producer in this world and it's a tough thing to do mm-hmm. but you know Danny my engineer Danny Bernini and myself we're, we're getting better as we go and each Striper album sounds better and better and better and uh, I love to try to outdo the last and, and that's always my mentality let's, let's do even better because we can Right, and that's what we shoot for I've only heard Take It to the Cross and 
it's got a bit of a painkiller from Judas Priest vibe to me, which is kind of surprising coming from Striper. Uh, I'm not saying you, you you rip the song. I'm just saying it has that feel. You know what? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and some people have said Children of the Grave kind of thing for oh, the verses. Yeah. You know, we're we're big fans of Sabbath, and we're big fans of Priest. Okay. I, I mean, Priest, Sabbath was one of Oz's, Oz's uh, uh, influences growing up. Priest was one of mine, and, and Priest and Sabbath are all of ours. But, uh, you know, they're, we really respect those guys. We didn't sit down and say, hey, let's try to sound like Priest. We just wanted to do a song that was out of the ordinary for Stripers, yeah. something that was heavier than anything we've ever done, because fans have asked for that. So that's why we did Take It to the Cross. I, I saw you in uh, Grand Rocktober. I saw Striper in Grand, at that uh, Grand Rocktember a couple years ago. I think it was 2016, and yep. it was my first time uh, seeing you live. But my first time really paying attention to the band since the '80s. I kind of forgot how heavy you were because you got your hits with Honestly. But you know, those first three albums were the ones I got into, and they're all pretty. You know, they're pretty heavy rocking albums. They are. I mean, we're a metal band at the end of the day. Yes, we did ballads. Yes, we had a lighter side, but we really are and were a metal band. Uh, our biggest influences are Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Scorpions, Van Halen, you know, and, and then you throw Journey in there, who we love too. And that's why, <laughs> you know, you hear an occasional ballad from us or a poppier kind of tune, but at the core, we're a metal band. Yeah, um, a new bass player, Perry Richardson, uh, formerly of Firehouse. I'm sure you get asked this quite a bit. Was there any religious vetting in the process of hiring him? How does it come up? How does, does, is there a, a litmus test someone has to pass to join Striper? None, none whatsoever. And we have been asked that, and it has been stated online, and I think it's pretty hilarious. Uh, you <laughs> Thank know, you. We, we, we didn't sit Perry down when he came out and look him in the eyes and say, all right, dude, and put a flashlight on him. Uh, what's the deal? Are you a Christian? You know, we need to know right now. Say shibboleth. Uh, yeah, there was none of that. We never asked the guy. Okay. We just went. We went with what's more important to us, and that is that he's a good person. Mm. Good fit for the band. And I then? made this. I made this statement, and it got put on blabbermouth. I think, but it's true, and I'm going to stand by it. You know, sometimes some of the worst people in life that I've met have claimed to be Christians, <laughs> and some of the best, nicest people that I've met in my life aren't Christians. So. Many times, especially in a band like Striper, as long as the core knows what we're doing, Oz, Rob, and myself, and we're on the same page, you know, it's, it's not as important as some people might think for our fourth member to be a Christian. They, okay. We just want him to be a good person and a nice guy. It just so happens that Perry is a Christian, but first and foremost, he's just a wonderful human being, and he's an amazing bass player and an amazing singer as well. And have you uh, had time to spend much time with them? A lot of times you find out how well people work together when you spend some time on a bus. You know, has that come up yet? Is oh, that... of course, of course. We spent a little time with him. He came out and stayed at the house and we jammed with them. And then we went out to Vegas and, and spent like four or five days with them and shot some videos. So we definitely hung out with them and spent okay. time with them. Uh, and he's just always the same. I, we, I just did Monsters of Rock Cruise. He was on that. We hung out with him there. And Perry's one of those guys where, you know, it could be the end of the world, and he'll walk in with a smile on his face and say, hey, man, it's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, he's, he's just he's that kind of a guy, man. Like, uh, just a really amazing, positive 
joyful person. And then if you've ever seen him play bass or heard him sing, uh, you know, he's got nothing to prove whatsoever. He's amazing. Does he play on Goddamn Evil? He was not able to because of schedule conflicts. Okay. We had the time booked, and he had some uh, things that he had to fulfill with Craig Morgan. Okay. And it just didn't work out this time around, so we hired a guy that played on my last two solo albums by the name of John O'Boyle. Okay. I knew the announcement of him joining came pretty right around the time that we knew a new Striper record was coming out. I wasn't sure how all that timed up. but uh. Yeah, and John knocked it out of the park and did a fantastic job. And the thing about this album that is really cool and amazing, and when you hear it, you'll hear it in the tracks, is there's this energy level that we've never had before, or at least certainly not since the 80s. Uh, and we were just so excited to be making this album, and the songs come through and show you that. And it's got a groove to it. It's got this groove that we've never really had. And, man, we're so excited for the for the fans to hear it. We can't wait. Well, I have one last question for you. We're kind of wrapping up on time. Is there any more you want to tell me about the new record before I hit you with one last one? Well, not one song is the same on it. But every song works and flows, okay. and uh, it, it's a killer album from start to finish. There's not any filler on it whatsoever. So I advise people, not as a marketing uh, pitch sale here, but just to go and get the album. Don't just download a song or two. Pick up the album. Get a hard copy, and you're going to enjoy it from start to finish. And, man, I think it's our best. The band believes that it's their best. So uh, it, it's, it's really a special album. Fantastic. And that comes out uh, April 20th. April 20th, man. Yes, sir. I'm, I, I don't know if you heard. Maybe you did. Uh, but Slayer is calling it quits. Is there any talk of throwing together a leg of the tour with you and doing like a heaven and hell thing? <laughs> oh, man, there's no talk of that at all. <laughs> now there is. Uh, but, you know, it, it's... I think we had the opportunity to do a show with Slayer in Mexico, and it didn't work out for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it, 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 we wish them nothing but the best. Sure. And, you know, if they're hanging it up, hey, you know, God bless you. you yeah, know? opposite spectrums. I was making a little joke there to close out the interview. So. Oh, no, I get it. I totally get it. Of All course. Right. Uh, and then, you never know, man. Maybe maybe it will happen. Maybe we'll do it. I'm rooting for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> then, you, then your joke wouldn't be a joke, would no, it? No, no. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Good luck with the album. I think you're coming to uh, the Twin Cities here in the beginning part of May. I'm going to try to make it out to the show. So, Hey, that would be amazing, man. I, I'll be looking for you, and God bless <laughs> you. Thanks for supporting what we do and standing by us, okay, man? All right. Take care. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 